think I'm, I'm good on audio, right? Great. Good to see you all again this beautiful morning. And good morning to our audience online. Uh, or good afternoon from wherever you are joining us from or wherever you are watching us from. It's a privilege to be standing behind the people again this morning. So I just want to give God all the glory for that privilege. And of course, as always, I want to appreciate the eldership of the church for this um, great opportunity. So today we're going to be wrapping up the series that we started, I think, 12 weeks ago now, on the book of Ephesians. So thank goodness and thank God, um, God has used several people to take us through the, through the series. And last week, my dear brother did a, a bit of recap on the, on the old chapter, so I'm not going to do that this morning. So I will encourage you to, um, if you missed last week's message, go online, you know, to, to, to listen to it or to watch it. Okay, I will start by reading the passage, then um, we'll take it from there. The, I will be reading from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, from verse 10. Uh, if you have your Bible with me, you can open it, or if um, that's um, eligible enough, Please follow as I, as I read along. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wise of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins got about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fairy deaths of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known to the mystery of the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to be in your presence this morning. Daddy, we pray that the entrance of the word, we give each one of us, both the speaker and the hearer, we give us light and understanding. And we pray that your word will bless us today. Your word will touch our heart today. And at the end, we shall have the cause to return all the glory back unto you. For in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. The 
title for today's message is um, Standing Firm in the Fight. Standing Firm in the Fight. Going back to the passage, right? Paul started by saying, finally. And that's, that's quite interesting. Some, some versions, some translations started by saying, in conclusion, or a final word. And uh, permit me to borrow the mantra that our dear brother usually uses. Um, that's Glenn Smith. After all said and done, everything that we've heard right from chapter one up until last week, you know, uh, Christian, uh, dear brother Christian told us about how the book of Ephesians can be divided into two parts. The first part, the first three chapters, being talking about you know, our identity in Christ. And the second part, you know, tells us how we need to live out that identity. And in the last few weeks, we talked about unity in the body of Christ. We talked about submission in the body of Christ, submission in, in homes and families. We talked about abuse. We talked about, you know, relationship between parents and, and children. And Paul is now saying, after all said and done, that there's something else that you need to be, you know, that you need, that you need to have. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So Paul is telling us that we need strength. We need might. We need power. And why do we need to be strong? Why do we need strength? Why do we need power? Why do we need might? Remember, Paul was talking to believers. So they are probably already in the Lord. Now he's encouraging them that they need strength in the Lord to be able to do what? To be able to stand firm in the battle, in the fight. Because we are in a battle. We are in a fight. And we need to draw our strength from the power, from the might, and from the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God to the to the songs we heard this morning, it's all about victory in Christ. It's all about strength from Christ. It's the source of our strength. And somebody may ask me, Bolaji, which fight are we talking about here? Stand firm in the fight. This is not a physical fight, brothers, sisters, that we're talking about here. It's a spiritual fight. It's a spiritual warfare. The spiritual battle, unseen spiritual battle, that's what we're talking about here. And for us to be able to fight that fight, to fight in that war, and to be victorious, Paul is saying we need to have strength. We need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Spiritual realm exists. Let me tell us. It's not a fantasy. Um, maybe for, for us, for someone like me and for people who, you know, who, are, who are from Africa, they will probably know, you know what we're talking about. Because we've seen it, we've heard it, we've seen people who come out boldly. 
to confess to their evil act, to their evil deed. We've seen spiritual forces in, in action, operating. So they do exist. So we do well to acknowledge that spiritual realms exist and that we are in a battle, unseen battle. So Paul is saying before we can engage in this battle, we need to start from the position of being in Christ. You must be in Christ for you to be able to fight this battle. So I want to encourage you if you are out there today and you are here to give your life to Christ and you want to overcome, you want to be victorious in this battle, please make sure you give your life to Christ. Without him, there is no way this battle can be won. Because he is the source of our strength. Let's remember that. And it is only, it is only in Christ that we have victory. Hallelujah. Likewise, Paul is saying, in this fight, coupled with having strength in the Lord, what else do we need? We also need to put on the whole armor of God. That's also very important. Or somebody may tell me, is God's strength not enough? Is it not sufficient? Is God's power not enough for me to fight this battle? You know, I'll tell you something. It's like um, somebody who got enrolled in the army. You know, they have to go through some series of probably some selection. And then if they manage to, to get selected, of course, they have to go so, through, through some training. They've got to pass through some training where they, you know, they, they, they make sure that, yes, this, this man or this lady is battle ready. If war comes, that yes, they can send them to the war front. However, if war comes, the commander of the battalion or the general will not put that soldier right in front of battle without weapons. He will definitely equip him. Although he's gone through, through training, but he still needs weapons to fight the battle. So what we're saying is, what Paul is trying to say here, with God's strength, with strength in Christ, you still need to put on the old armor of God for you to be able to overcome in this battle, for you to be able to stand against the wise of the devil. So why do we need the whole armor of God? Somebody may hack me. Again, because we are in a battle. We are in a fight. Let me make that clear. So we need a hammer for, pro, for our protection so that we don't end up being one of the casualties of the wicked one. There are so many casualties out there. We need to be clothed in the old armor to be able to stand firm against the wise of the devil. That's what Paul is saying. And this is a quote from William Gunner. He says, in heaven we shall appear not in armor, but in robes of glory. But here, these are to be worn. That is the armor we're talking about today, which we're going to get to in a minute. This armor are to be worn night and day. We must walk 
walk and sleep in them. Or else we are not true soldiers of Christ. Any soldiers in a war, you know, they have to be battle ready. They have to be prepared. Because enemy can attack anytime. So constant preparation, constant awareness is required in the physical, likewise in the spiritual realm. What are we actually fighting? Somebody may ask another question. What are we fighting? Say, we should stand firm in a fight. Who am I fighting? Let me tell us, it's very important that we know our enemy. Our number one enemy is the devil. It's no one other than, than Satan. He's our number one enemy. I'm going to tell you it's not that your neighbor, right? We're talking about spiritual, spiritual battles there, right? Unseen battle. It's not your friend, it's not your brother, it's not your sister, wife, it's not your husband, husband, it's not your, it's not your wife. But our number one enemy is the Satan. And it's very important that we know who Satan is. You know, it's like any sport, any competitive sport, you know, you want to study your opponent in order to win the game. I watch football. I think we call it soccer here in Canada. So you see managers of a, of a football team. I support Asna, by the way. You see them, you know, constantly, before any game, before any match, they study the strategy of their opponent before they, they, before they go into the match. For them to know, you know, it's going to help their game plan. They need to study their opponent. So likewise, it's very important that we know who Satan is and we know his schemes as well for us to be victorious in this war. We need a thorough knowledge of him. Remember, he uses different schemes, different strategies, and we need to be what? We need to be able to, to identify them. Remember, he is constantly waging war against the children of God. Anything that God puts together, Satan is always trying to pull it down. The wall of division between children of God and Christ came and pulled down. Satan is trying very hard to rebuild it. Remember, Paul himself says, neither Greek nor Jew, that we are one body in Christ Jesus. However, Satan doesn't like that. He keeps trying hard to rebuild that wall of division. And he's using all sorts of schemes, all sorts of strategy to bring that wall back up. So that's why we need to be wise and to understand his strategy so that we can win this battle. In um, verse 12 of the passage that I read, Paul says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. 
So these are his spiritual agents that Paul, sorry, that Satan uses to carry out some of his operation. Remember, it's not only president like our God. Satan cannot be in multiple places at the same time. So in order for him to carry out his strategies, his plan, his attack, he needs to use his spiritual agents. And that's, those are um, those are the agents that Paul referred to as principalities, as, as powers, as spiritual wickedness in high places. Some commentary would, would say that there is an hierarchy in where Satan sits above and all these spiritual forces and agents, you know, they answer to him. I can agree with that to some extent. So what are the characteristics of this devil, our enemy? We need to know his characteristics. He's very powerful. Don't be fooled. He's powerful. And he's also wicked. He recognizes no Geneva Convention. There is nothing like ceasefire. You know, let's, let's hold back for some minutes. Let's get... Um, Let's get support, let's get welfare, let's get aid for injured, you know, soldiers. No, he doesn't understand that. He's always attacking because of his wickedness. He's ruthless in the pursuit of his malicious designs. And he's also corny, very corny. He's a schemer, very deceptive. And at times he can transform himself to an angel of light. And the Bible says uh, he, he roars, he roars, he, he, he shouts like a lion, he roars like a lion at times, seeking for whom to devour. And at times, and sometimes, he operates just like a serpent. That's what we are fighting against. First Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for whom to devour. And this is what um, Dr. Lloyd-Jones have to say. say. I'm certain that one of the main causes of the ill state of the church today is the fact that the devil is being forgotten. He exists. And he's still operating. He's still functioning. All is attributed to us. We have all become so psychological in our attitude and thinking. We are ignorant of this great objective fact. The being, the existence of the devil, the adversary, the accuser of the brethren, and it's very that we are. And we shouldn't. So Paul is warning us of our devil's hostility. And it's it's teaching us how to overcome it. I remember some, some times ago, I was traveling with what my, one of my uncles. And we were having this discussion in the car. So he was telling me about one of his um, experiences in his previous organization where he used to work. So he said there is a man who was um, opposing his promotion. And basically what he did is, to pray to God to eliminate him, to take him out. 
And that's the kind of prayer we do pray at times in Africa. You know, we pray some aggressive prayer. We pray some, when you hear some of our prayers, you know. I was like, really, uncle? And do you think that's the right type of prayer to pray? Are you not supposed to attack the spirit behind this man that was opposing your promotion? There's a spirit behind it. And we do well to understand that some of the things that people go through, that we experience in our world today, there's a result of spiritual forces behind the scene working. I'm not trying to over-spiritualize everything, but we do well to, to, to understand that, to admit that, yes, there are spiritual forces at work. Trying to cause commotion in Christian homes, division, you know, trying to bring, um, you know, all sort of issues. And he said to me, I said to him, are you, are you not better off attacking the spirit that's operating in this man? What about if this man dies and that spirit leaves him and he enters another, another, mind in the, in another person in your organization and that person also stands up and starts opposing your promotion? Will you keep praying that everyone dies in your organization? <laughs> and then you'll be left alone. You'll be a, a lone man standing or walking alone in the office. So it's the spirit that is at work in most cases. And that's what we're saying. That's what Paul is saying that we need to attack. So let's go straight to the old armor. So here in the old armor, we can see that Paul invokes the image of a soldier ready for battle. So the first one, the first piece of equipment that Paul talks about is that the belt. The belt. So for a Roman soldier, we believe Paul used um, um, this image of a Roman soldier because it was probably familiar. He wrote this during his time in Roman prison. So he sees them regularly. He sees Roman soldier regularly. He sees the way they dress up. Maybe probably that's why you know he came up with this with this kind of um, expression. So the number one one, the, the belt. Roman soldiers' belt is very essential. They use it to, you know, to, to hold their sword and to hold their tonic. So it gives them a sense of hidden strength and confidence. And um, it helps them you know, to march or to progress without any impediment. So that's what the belt does for a Roman soldier. For us Christians, for, for us the children of God, what does that mean? The bed of truth, what is it for us? The bed of truth is simply the spiritual armor that holds the word of the spirit. It links the truth and the word of God together. Remember what John 17, 17 says, that sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. So the bed of truth is the revelation of God in Christ and in Scripture. And this is needed for us to fight the battle we are talking about here. Without an understanding of the, of the truth, we are left vulnerable to being carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. 
some other commentators they believe the, the bread of truth that Paul is talking about here is the truth in sense of sincerity and integrity. But this is what Gona has to say. It says, some by truth means a truth of doctrine. Others will have it truth of art, sincerity. They, I think, best that comprise both. One will not do without the other. Either, either way, the two, you know, are important. Number two, piece of equipment. The breastplate of righteousness. So just like you can see that in that picture. So a typical armed soldier will wear that breastplate. You know, and it's made of bronze. Basically, it covers their vital organs. It protects their heart. That's what it does for a soldier. And for us Christians, the breastplate of righteousness refers to the righteousness purchased for us by Jesus at the cross. At salvation, a breastplate is issued to every one of us, to, any, to every repented sinner. You got that breastplate of righteousness, and it is designed by God. So we need to be sure of our, our righteousness. We need to be certain that it's not by our good works. We didn't hand it by our good works. Righteousness is given to us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And this needs to be worn correctly. Otherwise, it's going to malfunction. Likewise, there are several factors that can interfere with the effectiveness of our spiritual breastplate, like carelessness, unbelief, abusing grace, or disobedience. We need our breastplate of righteousness in place in order to gain the victory that we're talking about. Because of time, I will move on to the next one quickly. So the number three equipment is the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This is the footwear. So here, Paul is saying, for us to be victorious in this battle, we need to be ready to announce the gospel, to tell people about, about the goodness, spread the goodness. That's part of our weapon. It's one of our hammer that we need. In winning this battle and in fighting this battle. The next one is that the shield of faith. So a Roman a Roman soldier, they use their shield, you know, to, to protect them against any fairy um, arrow that the enemy is shooting at them. That's the purpose of the shield. It protects them against arrow that is launched from probably walls of cities. That's what it does for a Roman soldier. For us Christians, what are we talking about? When we say the shield of faith, how does that apply to us? How do we use this in the battle that we're talking about? You know, Satan, just like I said earlier on, there is a schema and it throws all sorts of fairy dead. So for us to be able to withstand him, 
we need the shield of faith. The shield of faith is very important. Remember what Hebrews 11.1 says. Faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith, faith lays hold on the promises of God. Even if it's delayed, we hold on to it. We believe in it. It's believing what God has said in his word or what, or what he says to us directly. Satan's, Satan's attack can sometimes cause us to doubt God. But once we put on the shield of faith, we're able to counter any doubt that Satan may bring our way. I'll move on to the next one, the element of salvation. So mainly this is for us to protect our mind as Christians. Soldiers, they use it to protect you know, their head. When we're talking about element of salvation, we're talking about the assurance of our future and final salvation. Salvation, what does it mean? We're being saved by grace, by God. So we need to be sure that, yes, our salvation is, is certain, come what may. We need to have confidence or trust in the salvation that we have in Christ Jesus. Know that you are saved and that you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And we need to put on this helmet every day. Every day. And we need to guide our hearts, our minds from excessive worldly influence. Instead of thinking on things, you know, that do not honor God. We think on things that are worthy of praise. We think on things that are true, things that are pure. And the image of salvation will help us to achieve this. So the last equipment that Paul talks about is the sword of the spirit. So the Roman soldier's sword is the only one which clearly be used for attack as well as, as defense. So for us Christians, the, word of, the sword of the spirit for us is the word of God. Is the word of God. It could be the spoken word of God or it could be Rema. We need to make sure that, yes, we have it handy and ready to use. That's what Jesus Christ used when Satan came to him after his fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. For it is written, if you don't have the word of God, how are you going to fight this battle? If you don't have it dwelling in you, how are you going to use it when the time comes for you? When the time comes that you need it. Hebrews 4.12 says, for, we rest, for, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the tough and intent of the heart. That's how powerful the word of God is. It's very powerful. So I will encourage you, study the word of God. Know the word of God. 
spend time you know, studying and meditating on the word of God because you need it to be victorious in this battle. In verse 18, so Paul also talked about prayer, although he didn't include this as part of, as one of the armor of God. However, it's very, very essential in this battle. It says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for saints. Prayer is the energy that enables a soldier, a Christian soldier, to wear the armor and wield the sword. Prayer is very important. Prayer is to pervade all our spiritual warfare. It infuses all our spiritual warfare. It is the fuel, the fuel that we need. It gives us power. It says pray at all times. Pray in the spirit. So what does that mean? Pray as led by the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to lead you on how to pray. Remember what the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says. Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Align the Spirit to lead us on how to pray. You know, prayer, the most important thing about prayer is the, the quality of prayer. Praying the mind of God. Although it's, Paul is telling us that we need to pray always, but the quality of our prayer matters. Are we being led by the Spirit? Or are we praying based on our, you know, on what our flesh is telling, telling us or what, or what we want for our personal gain. Let me tell you this, church, a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. And a prayerless Christian is a spiritually unhealthy Christian. A prayerless Christian is a weak Christian. And there's no way no, a prayerless Christian can win this battle that we are in. So the truth about the message today, although we are in a battle, a spiritual battle, but the truth is that the battle is already won. Christ already overcome for us. Hallelujah. However, we still have to go through some tribulations. Remember what John 16.33 says. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. We are fighting from the place of victory. Christ has already won the ultimate battle. Remember what Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says. The enemy and having spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, a spectacular show of them, triumphing over them in it. So it's a one battle already. However, the enemy that we are fighting, Satan, hasn't considered defeat yet. 
He's still on the loose. And his time of binding is, hasn't come. So that's why we're still in the battle. So it's very important for us to maintain our victorious position. We need to put on the whole armor of God. All the pieces of armor belong to God. And it comes from, from him. So we need to use them all the time. Not just one, but he says, put on the whole armor of God. I pray that God will help us as we continue to fight in this battle in the name of Jesus. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you once again for today. We, we bless you for your word that, that you sent to us. We know that we are more than conquerors through you that love us. We know that, yes, we are victorious and the battle has already been won. Daddy, we pray for grace to be able to equip ourselves with the whole armor of God. We pray that Daddy will be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we pray that in any area that we are lagging behind in times of prayer, Daddy, we pray that you please strengthen us in the name of Jesus. We give all God the glory, for in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah.